This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, October 21st, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. Uh, thank you for tuning in this hour. I'm going to do my best to make it informative and give you some perspective and some unbalanced, unbalanced, some unbiased, excuse me, uh, perspective on on the markets, on where we're going with the election, uh, and how that will feed into the markets. You know, there's there's a lot of ways to think about the outcome of the coming election and what it means for stocks and stimulus, and nobody really knows exactly. That's one thing I'm going to speak on today: is that uh, no backstory on what stocks are going to do if X Y Z happens is going to come out 100% correct, right? There, there's going to be a lot of prognostications of what the election means, but ultimately it comes down to what happens on the ground, right? In Washington and in the economy as well. So the election can help inform what may or may not happen, but that doesn't eliminate all possibilities either, right? So helping you understand the odds, and that's really what this is about. You know, a lot of people think of investing in the markets as gambling, and I can see that rationalization that most people make. It's easy to say that when it's something you don't understand, and there, it is true that the odds are important. Right? Nothing is 100% guaranteed to happen. But there are odds that XYZ might happen versus ABC based on various factors. And it's your job as an investor to put those odds in your favor. Unlike a casino, you can do that. You can put the odds in your favor. And that's what I'm here to do. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and in this program today and podcast, I'm going to do my best to provide you with unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. I'm going to shed some light on what's happening in the markets as well as different sectors and asset classes. But that's all driven by your calls. So I'm ready to take your calls at 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now, let's take a look at the market today. Excuse me, something in my throat. The S&P was down about 7.5 points, which was down from the morning. In the morning, we were up, decently sold off, rallied through the late morning and the afternoon, sold off hard into the close. And mainly this is driven by, once again, the lack of stimulus. They continue to go back and forth, both sides, negotiating on a potential package 
but still nothing has come to fruition less than two weeks from the election. The S&P was down 31, not the S&P, the NASDAQ was down 31 points, about three-tenths of 1%. So a very modest down day, but that's kind of a follow-through, right? Two days ago on Monday, we had a pretty significant down day. All right. All right, let's go to our first caller right now at 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve or Justin. This is Thomas. I'm a student at Indiana. I had a question about Strategic Education, Inc., S-T-R-A. It's had some difficulty hitting the uh, hundreds, and I know you've actually talked about this one before on the podcast, but I just want your opinion if you think it's going to be able to break that hundred within the next couple months. I'm talking about five-month range. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right, looking at strategic education, this provides post-secondary education programs to over 57,000 students in 19 states and the District of Columbia. This is a stock that is down pretty significant from its 52-week high, about 50%, which was $187 a share, now we're at 96. The reason I don't like this, the reason I don't like this, is the trend of government. And once again, this is not a prognostication or, or it's, not a, it's not a stance on what should happen. I always have to preface this because so many people take what I say out of context and that this is a liberal or conservative stance or whatever, Republican, right? I, I, I'm, very, I'm a very centrist person. I just look at it like I see it. But the role of government is looking to be bigger, right? The odds of a blue wave or at least two of the three main pillars of our government being Democrat are more likely than not, right? Right now we have two of the three pillars as dominated by the Republicans. If that switches or goes a complete blue wave, there's likely to be more government spending Uh, government programs, and that includes education, right? The cost of education has just skyrocketed over the past decade plus, or few decades, shall we say. A lot of that, I think, has to do with the government student loan programs and the fact that, guess what? They're going to give a loan to anybody, and therefore colleges are going to raise prices, et cetera. And that is a trend that I think has to reverse at some point. And And COVID may be a catalyst for that. Okay, and so these for-profit education outlets, to me, are in jeopardy, right? If public education maybe becomes free, right? Think of state universities. Maybe here in California, they've talked about here in California making state universities free. I think that's the trend, is, is reversing the cost of those that higher level of education, making government pay for more of it, and that makes it cheaper for everyone to go to it. They're probably going to accept more people. And these alternative programs are going to be less profitable. So I'm going to pass on this. I don't like the trend in the industry, and I don't like the stock price trend of this company either. So I'm going to completely pass on Strategic Education, Inc., STRA. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we are in the home stretch heading towards the big election. And now I think most people realize that 
The end of the year will be here in just over a couple of months and it's never been more important than to stay vigilant on your portfolio, your strategy, and where we're headed next. And I actually have a broader thought and I'm going to give it to you after the break on where the market's heading and different sectors, subsectors specifically, not necessarily the market as a whole, but subsectors. And I think it's very important. So I would love to hear what is on your mind. Your participation is an important part of the mix. So we're taking your calls live at 888 chart You are listening to Invest Talk. What a difference a year makes. A pandemic, financial shutdown, and market volatility. You've got finance and investment questions, and Justin Klein is here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 chart. Let's go to Justin and Tracy. He wants to talk about the NASDAQ. Hi, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I've, I've been paying a lot of attention to the NASDAQ. Obviously, it's been the big story with its all time highs now since the low in March. Um, one thing I saw was, you know, ever since the stock started getting up there, the, the index, I should say, um, there's been a record level of shorts on it for a good long while up until like last week. And so I guess what I wanted to hear from you is your perspective on uh, what you think that means going forward, if it's maybe just looking forward to stimulus or if it's just being bid up by these short term call options or um, just kind of what to expect, or maybe the market knows something that the rest of us don't. Well, I think in the near term, there definitely has been some over-speculation in call options. I've talked about this before, gamma hedging by the big, uh, by the by the writers of those call options, right? There's the buyers and then there's sellers, and if you sell those call options and you don't own the underlying, well, you, you're you're you you could be caught naked, and a lot of those big banks dealers, they're going to buy the underlying and that's pushed prices up some. Now, in the broader sense, however, and this goes to what I was speaking to before the break, and uh, it's really about what is next for the market. You know, we've had this huge run up, especially for your stay-at-home stocks, your your, your tech stocks, and, and uh, many of these companies are up 100, 200% since the March low. Right, whereas the market's up maybe 30% or so. I think that's going to reverse uh, for a couple of reasons. One, number one has to do with COVID's going to be behind us sooner rather than later, right? We're, they're working on vaccines. You have about five different companies working on vaccines. Uh, and likely in the next six to nine months, you're going to get that vaccine. Now it's going to take a while for people to get approved or to get uh, to get inoculated to us to get to full herd immunity. There's certainly going to be some holdouts, but we'll we'll get past this probably in the next year or so, probably less, maybe six months, and life will go back to somewhat normal. What would that mean? A complete reversal of that trend, right? Money coming out of the big tech names and into a lot of the names have been being down, okay? And then you're still going to have an economy that is damaged, even if we reopen and everything goes kind of back to normal. 
what's going to happen with stimulus? Well, that stimulus isn't going to go to the big tech names. In fact, you know, our main focus point today is on regulation on them. So to me, the tech industry is priced for perfection right now. The vast majority of these stocks. And so I think there's far more risk in the medium term to the downside in the tech sector and the NASDAQ. I think there's a lot more upside to the value side of the market, your industrials, money that or companies that are going to benefit from a stimulus package, a infrastructure package, right? Whatever comes down the pipe, no matter who the president is, it's not going to be money funneled to tech companies. And even if there is a lot of the potential future revenue earnings for these companies has already been priced in, right? So to me, they're very priced for perfection. Doesn't mean they can't be good long-term bets, but especially if you look at kind of the recent trends over the last couple of months, you're starting to see a rotation out of the tech names into the value. And I think that will take hold even more as we get closer and closer to a vaccine and the next stimulus, which will be very focused on the core of the economy, which is the industrial part of America. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus point today concerns that story, the antitrust battle that has begun. Google has been officially charged with monopoly power by the Justice Department. After a 16-month investigation, the government says Google is violating the Sherman Antitrust Act, so we're going to dig into that. Also, I want to touch on a study of the Clinton stocks versus the Trump stocks. There was a lot of prognostication, like I said before, about what companies would do better under a, a Hillary administration back in 2016 and a Trump administration back in 2016. Well, let's look back. I'm going to look back. Which one w- did it actually come to fruition? Were they right? Were they wrong? Also, the Fed beige book came out today. What did they say? And then lastly, we're going to touch on retirement income and assessing the odds of making it to retirement. Now we're heading into a break, but I'm here. I'm ready to take your finance and investment questions live at 888-99-CHART. It's been another Investor Wednesday, and we've all seen the market move up, down, and all around. It's called volatility, and you'll have investment and finance questions for Steve and Justin. They welcome your calls now. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Chris in Daly City looking at Abvi. Hi, uh, Justin. Um, yes, I'm interested in Abvi. It's almost uh, at its one-month low, mm. and uh, just wanted to know if, uh, if I should buy more. Um, I already own the stock. Been owning it for a while. Uh, pays a really good dividend. So uh, just wanted to know if I should hold off until it goes down more, or should I uh, buy now? What are your thoughts on that? Well, we like Abvi. This is a name we've owned in the past uh, in our cover call strategy. I think I got called away a few months ago, uh, around ninety plus our our, our premium. Uh, right now it's at eighty two, eighty nine at the close today, and it. It's in a downtrend, and that's really the, the biggest issue here. Uh, certainly, some of that has to do with pressure on drug prices, 
Uh, also, the fact that they are fairly uh, fairly leveraged balance sheet uh, that's certainly going to give sentiment uh, a reason to ebb and flow, right? Because of that stretch balance sheet, but they have a great business, right? Trailing 12 months free cash flow or last quarter was $3 billion. Um, so that's something that, that we really like. We really like the uh, strength of the business, uh, the consistency of their business. And I think they're well run and they just bought Allergan. And I think that was a great purchase. Trailing 12 months, $14 billion in free cash flow and their market caps about 146 billion. So you're about a, about a 10% free cash flow yield, which in this market is very strong, yields 5.7%, revenue last quarter up 26% year over year. Once again, problem is, is it's in a downtrend. It is getting near some pretty decent support around 82. We are eyeing about 77 though, as the major, major support to get aggressive. Let's say that. So I do think this is a pretty good area, but it certainly could see a move down to 77, especially if the overall healthcare market uh, weakens. And so I like what you're looking at. I like the company. It's just a matter of what is the right entry price. This is a good price. 77 and change would be a much better price. Thanks for the call, Chris. 88899 chart, 88992 Now let's go straight to our main focus point today, and that is a story concerning the Google's antitrust allegations by the Justice Department. And what they say is Google is a monopolist in the general search services, search advertising, and general search text advertising market. That's according to the Justice Department. They're saying Google aggressively uses its mon monopoly position and the money that flows from them to continuously foreclose rivals and protect its monopolies. Now, what they specifically do or their specific issue they're referencing has to do with making Google the default search engine on popular online services and browsers, tying the Google search engine on phones like Alphabet's Android operating system. So this is very similar to back in the day when Netflix, not Netflix, Netscape sued, sued for Microsoft because Microsoft would load Explorer on Windows operating systems and that became a contentious issue. There's also anti-forking agreements that manufacturers of Android phones have to sign, meaning they're not going to go use an alternative. And this has helped Google maintain this monopoly power through these exclusionary practices that have harmed competition. This is according to the Department of Justice. Now, this is the first of, I think, a wave of lawsuits against many of these big tech players that are utilizing the data flow, right? In today's world, if you have enough data and you have good enough AI, you really can almost coerce the public to continue to use your services. And that's what Google and a lot of these big tech companies are doing. Now, Google's denying any wrongdoing and it insists, insists that consumers can still go and use alternatives like Twitter, Amazon uh, for advertising. They can use Facebook, TikTok, which is maybe purchased by Oracle, uh, Verizon, 
and many others. Uh, Yelp obviously complains about them because they're a competitor. And once again, it's one of those things where if you have enough platforms, which Google does, from search to YouTube to Android to Gmail to uh, Google Docs, all of these things that really just all tie together and make it easier for Google to gather a lot of information and utilize that information to keep you sticky and giving them more information. And so this is the goal of this lawsuit, which is likely also to be followed later this year by the FTC against Facebook. And this is no longer a partisan issue. Everyone from very liberal Democrats to very conservative Republicans are looking at these big tech companies as the boogeyman and a potential breakup. So whoever wins the election, if it's a blue wave or there's still a split Congress, there's still going to be scrutiny here. And the question is, how is it going to settle out, right? History shows that these cases can go both ways. They can be dragged out for years, like the one against IBM and result in much of nothing. Microsoft, where it, it, you know there was just a settlement and a, a, everything was pretty much intact. Or Bell Systems, which broke out up into multiple factions. So, be interesting. Give me a call, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener, you may even have called a few times, but if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Now, in the next Invest Talk, the story behind this headline, competition for PayPal and Square is heating up fast. According to the new report, J.P. Morgan Chase is making a play to sell more services to millions of American small business owners pushing into areas pioneered by fintech firms. That story is tomorrow. Now here comes another voice bank question at 888-99-CHART. This is Dan from Omaha. I um, just had a kind of a broad question. Uh, my wife and I, we've got uh, 401ks at our work, and then we, I have a, an IRA, a traditional, and she has a Roth IRA that we both max out, and then we also have a very, fairly sizable taxable account. Um, without getting into the details for the show, what assets are in what, obviously there's different assets that need to be in different accounts. Um, my question is on rebalancing, if you had any techniques on the best ways or like somewhere I could go to find out more information about efficient ways to rebalance, it's kind of tricky rebalancing once or twice a year since all the different asset classes are within different accounts and some of those accounts have limits on how much money you can put in. So just rebalancing in between accounts is kind of tricky. So I didn't know if there's any trick to that. So if you had any suggestions, I would be greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Well, it sounds like the bulk of your assets are in tax-deferred accounts. So that makes it a lot easier because you have to think less about the tax consequences of rebalancing. Maybe you have a little bit in some taxable accounts, so that should be considered. But 
what you want to do is try to put them in one piece of software. Uh, we do that. If you want to contact us through our website, investtalk.com, and uh, you can download the portfolio review template and put in all of your different uh, holdings as well as what account they're in. And I can do send you back a full report uh, looking at the total allocation, total risk, and that will start the process of helping you understand where you should maybe trim and where you should rebalance to, right, towards. Uh, and I think that that would be the best way to go is try to get all of your assets into one place that you can analyze them on the whole. And that will go a long way to figuring out where you're maybe over allocated to. Uh, maybe it's the growth side of the market. Maybe it's just equities in general. Maybe you need to beef up the, the real estate side of your portfolio, the bonds, commodities, et cetera. All of those are extremely important to, to consider in this market. You know, I would up your commodity exposure, right? With the weakness in the dollar, I would probably tamp down a little bit any treasury type of holdings. Uh, that's certainly not a place that's going to beat inflation, <laughs> uh, right? Because of where rates are going to really be anchored here, probably sub 1% for an extended period of time on the 10 year. And um, the tech uh, on the tech side or the growth side of the market, you want to maybe rebalance away from that into the value side. So getting all of those into one picture will be very, very important. So hopefully I can help you. If not, hopefully you can figure out a program for yourself to get all of that into one place. Thanks for the call. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. We have about 20 minutes left in the show. So get your call in now. Now, we're less than two weeks away from the election, and there's going to be a lot of prognostications of what the election outcome will mean for not just stocks, but specific sectors in general, right? So going back to 2016, there are certain areas that you would imagine would do well under a Trump administration, right? That was that was a prognostication back then. Oh, coal was going to do well, right? Because he promised he would reopen coal mines. Well, does that necessarily mean that the business is going to be better if there's more supply of coal? Yes, there might create more jobs, but does that mean it's good for the coal industry? And in fact, it is not. Right. For example, CNX Resources, which used to be Consolidated Energy, has lost 34%, which is a coal miner, since the day Trump was elected. Same with the oil and gas industry. Less regulation. But part of it's COVID-19, but, a lot of, but even pre-COVID-19, oil companies weren't doing that well. ExxonMobil, for example, is down 54% since Trump was elected. Now, this was a great study. I looked at a few websites, and, and certainly there's, there was a lot of websites that basically gave picks on who, what companies would do better depending on who would win. Now, the websites that said these stocks will do well if Trump wins, they looked at those particular stocks. There were two sites that they looked at. One, those Trump stocks gained 41% on average over the four years from October 1st to October 1st. And the other one gained 45%. Well, the S&P rose 71%. Remember, this is total, not annualized. So they underperformed the overall market. The Clinton stocks, 
they gained on average 184%. And the other website, 236%. So drastically outperformed the quote-unquote Trump stocks. So even if you think that this, uh, the next administration, whether that's a second Trump one or a Biden one, will be good for a particular sector, right? Or they'll be friendlier to a particular sector. That does not mean that those companies will necessarily do better. Politics are only one part of the equation. Remember that, right? Interest rates matter. The overall economy matters. Consumer and business habits matter. The value of the dollar matters, especially with commodities, for example. And then leadership within particular companies and how they react to the macro backdrop. So I know everyone's trying to position for, oh, if Trump wins or if Biden wins and if there's a blue wave or there isn't a blue wave. But guess what? That's only one factor, and there's so much more to the movement of earnings and the price of stocks than just simply who is in power. Let's go to Matthew in Los Angeles, looking at MPW, which I believe is a utility, correct? Uh, It's a REIT. It's a healthcare REIT. Yes, it's a healthcare REIT. Yes, Medical Properties Trust, MPW. They acquire, develop, and... Net lease healthcare facilities across the United States. Do you know if they're focused on? I'm trying to look this up here. Do you know if they're focused more on the medical offices and research facilities, or are they in the nursing home business? I believe they own a majority of hospitals, both in the U.S. and abroad. I know they've been buying up hospitals abroad and. I think from their June statement, they collected about 96% of rent, which seems mm-hmm. to be pretty good. They've been yep. holding it for a while. I know their their stock has been trading a little bit sideways, but just wanted to see if you thought it was good to continue holding. Yeah, I, I like the fact that they've diversified into the United Kingdom as well as Germany. So a little bit diversity there, especially with a weaker dollar, that should help them. Uh, the fact that they still are collecting the vast majority of rents, 90, what'd you say, 97%, that's very, very high. And I like this space in general in the, the REIT space. I like REITs, but very specific types. Uh, and this is one of those types that I, I certainly like, especially if you have more money going towards medical spending from the government, right? You're talking about, uh, I know Biden wants a public option. It isn't a uh, single payer, but it's a public option, which still would be more money going towards uh, healthcare in general from the government. And I like that. And 6% yields pretty good. And their balance sheet, frankly, is not that bad for a REIT. Remember, REITs are passed through entities. They can't really hold on to too much of their their net income, they have to pay out 90 plus percent of it. And therefore, they're bound, many of the balance sheets are pretty stretched. But overall, I think they're fine. I think they're doing pretty, pretty well. Um, so I'm a fan of Medical Properties Trust. I would hold it. Thank you. 8899 chart. 
888-992-4278. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, and you are not alone. Our podcast download statistics show that for the month of October, we are well over the 600,000 mark, and we still have, what, nine more days left. So, Stephen, I thank you for downloading Invest Talk and for telling your friends and family members about our free investing and financial podcasts. And, of course, you're welcome to call our KP Financial Offices in Irvine, California. We would love to help you. We want to help you, so give us a call. That number is 800-557-5461. But if you want to call on the show and ask a question, do it right now at 888-99-CHART. This is Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where principals and Talk hosts, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein, are independent financial advisors. For clients, they are fiduciaries. Steve and Justin have a duty and a commitment to always place the interests of their clients ahead of the firm. This is different from the way many other organizations operate. And one way you can realize the benefit of an association with KPP Financial is to know that KPP practices parallel investing. This means that the personal investment accounts of KPP principals participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. It's an important difference. You can learn more anytime at investtalk.com or reach out to Steve Peasley and Justin Klein by emailing or calling their Irvine, California office. The InvestTalk radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with questions, 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve and Justin. My name is Eddie out of Montana, and I uh, just want to say I love the show. My question is on TTCF, Tattooed Chest. It was just a SPAC that merged and actually uh, has good financials. I own both common shares and warrants. My question is with the warrants, where do I find out when they mature so I know how long that I have? And then through a like TD Ameritrade, how do I actually trade those over and convert them to a common share? Is there anything else I should be looking for when I do so? Obviously, if it's too low of a price, they become worthless first time trading warrants. So I appreciate any advice you can give me. Thank you very much. All right. So you own warrants. Warrants are just basically stock options. They typically have much longer time horizon, though, usually a couple years or longer. Uh, you should be able to see that when you look at your statement of when the expiration date is, as well as the, uh, the, the exercise price as well. So that's something that should be on your statements. Um, Every, every statement is a little bit different. Uh, if you want to exercise them, however, you would just call TD Ameritrade and say you want to exercise it. Now, typically, if there's so much time value, remember, any option or warrant has some time value attached to it, right? So say it's in the money, for example. Maybe your strike price is at 40 and it's currently trading at 50. So if you exercise it, you would gain $10 a share. Well, the value of that, those options or that warrants are going to be higher than $10 a share because there's going to be some sort of time value attached to it as well. And you want to make sure you capture that. So unless you're very close to the, the expiration, right, within a few days typically, when 
the time value is next to nothing, then you probably want to sell the warrant as opposed to exercise your option. Okay. Now, maybe you want to hold the stock, but still, I would exercise the option and then use that capital to buy the underlying stock. So you still capture that time value as well. So, uh, you know, these, these can be complex, but this is something you definitely want to talk to TD Ameritrade about. Uh, talk to their, their options desk and they'll be able to help you a little bit more. And, uh, you know, we, we use TD Ameritrade, so we like them. Now, if we move quickly, I can fit another stock question in here. I might have time to finish after the break. Hi, Justin. Thanks for taking the call. I'm interested in MGIC, Magic Software. I'm wondering if you think that this is um, a good play now at about this price point of about $13.15. Thank you. All right, this is an Israeli provider of business application software and IT consulting services. Their stock is rebounded dramatically. 52-week low is $6.31 back in March. Now we're at $13.77. So nice, strong rally. The problem here is, once again, it's caught up in the tech sector, making a lower high from its high in late August. And you know, to me, this looks like it wants to uh, break lower. This is a business that doesn't have any great long-term growth. Right, last year they made 58 cents a share. Well, guess what? In 2013, they made 52 cents a share. And so their performance has been all over the place. So I'm not a big fan of it. I don't love the long-term growth trajectory. I like that they have a solid balance sheet, very little debt, a small 1.2% dividend, but I just don't like the overall business trend over the long-term, and I think it's expensive at these prices. So I would pass on it. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here. Has to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your question in now at 888 chart Does anybody successfully time the market? Why do people keep trying? Or what's your question? Why not ask it now on Invest Talk? You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Yeah, hi, my name is Matt I'm from the DC area. I am interested in taking a small position in an early development medical device company. It wouldn't be a large exposure. I was curious about the relative advantages or disadvantages of making that investment with cash versus setting up an individual IRA outside of my other investment uh, vehicles. Thanks for all you guys do. I'll look for that uh, answer on there. Well, if you can, this would be a big boom or bust type of investment, right? And in that case, I would rather do it inside an IRA. Why? Because say it hits big, you sell it, right? You're not catalyzing those taxes right away, right? You're not taking, you don't pay taxes on an IRA until you take the money out. You could sell the 
investment whenever you want. And so it gives you more flexibility to sell it when it's advantageous, right? If you're getting a fantastic price, right, in the market, and the, the market's pricing it probably way higher than you expect, and you want to sell it, it's easy to do it in IRA. You don't have to think about the tax consequences. If it's in a cash account and you sell it, you're going to pay those capital gains right away. So you, that come, becomes part of the equation. So i rather do it in an IRA. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch on the Fed's beige book that was released yesterday for the month of October. And the result of it was that it varied greatly. Remember, they're talking to all the Fed presidents and helping understand the economic activity in their particular district. So October's was actually more upbeat and more words like positive and optimistic were used to describe the local various economies. Now, on the consumer side, in the Chicago region, it increased robustly. On the New York, it leveled off. And in the Kansas City, it actually declined modestly. So kind of a mixed bag when it comes to that. Now, the Fed also found that residential real estate continued to be strong, but commercial real estate markets continued to deteriorate in many of the districts except for warehouse and industrial space. So that was the positive part of the economy. Now, if you look at banking contacts, right, they're talking to different banks, actually doing lending within their district. They were worried about rising delinquencies. Even though they've remained relatively stable, they're still rising. And I think that's uh, an issue that they're worried about. Now, on the employment side, Hiring continued at varying paces across the various districts. And the biggest issue, though, is that temporary layoffs were continuing to become permanent. Now, recalls for furloughed workers slowed to only 5% in September from the month of July, which was 13%. And the share of firms issuing permanent layoffs increased from 7 from six. Now, new furloughs, however, were down a little bit from six to five, so that's positive. But more and more people are becoming permanently laid off, and I think that's really the issue. And if you look at COVID infections, that's another thing they're, they're following too, because certainly that impacts economic activity. More and more people are getting uh, infected, which means less economic activity, more people quarantining, etc. And 34 out of 50 states have seen new cases increase over the last two weeks in a row. That's up from 29 the previous week. So you're starting to see that fall surge that we were worried about, right? Because cooling temperatures means less people outdoors, more people indoors, which makes it easier to spread. Restaurants in many districts had done very well with outdoor seating in the summer months, but colder weather is starting to creep up. You're starting to see that COVID cases rising in those colder regions of the country, and that's something to worry about. But overall, the recovery thus far has been uneven, and there's still a lot of uncertainty, and the Fed is still urging Congress to deliver more financial aid. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I'll return tomorrow. Steve is on vacation, but he will be back on Friday with highlights from the newest KPP Premium Newsletter. 
In the meantime, please remember to tell your friends and family members that they can choose from over 100 archive podcasts for free over at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and always investtalk.com. And you can listen live as well, 4 to 5 Pacific time, on that same site, investtalk.com. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART.